Welcome to another edition of Jay's Talking. Matt and Andrew here today to bring some baseball talk from our living rooms to yours. And before we introduce our guests today, just letting our fans know the entire month of May, the Dunedin Blue Jays are teaming up with the local Dunedin food bank, Dunedin Cares, for Band Together Against Hunger. For every $10 donated to Dunedin Cares through our link in the month of May, we will provide a ticket to an essential worker in Dunedin. So please be sure to check our social media for more details and where to find the link to donate. Now, on to baseball. Our guest this week is 2017 10th round pick, pincher in the Blue Jays organization. Please welcome Justin Dillon. Justin, how are you doing today, sir? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We're super stoked to have you here today, man. And uh, what have you been doing during quarantine over there in California, man? Uh, at, in the beginning, it was just staying locked in, trying to work out a little bit here and there. Um, I, I'm fortunate enough to have a family that has some property, so I was doing hill runs and stuff like that, trying to stay in shape. But uh, playing catch with uh, my future father-in-law, my father, so it's been it's been something to you know adjust to and try to figure out, and that's about it. Not too much. What was that? Uh, what was the day like when they told you guys in Dunedin? at the complex of like, hey, we're gonna send everybody home. Well, did you have an idea like we'd be back pretty soon or did, did you not really know? Uh, to be honest with you, I thought we'd be back soon. I actually left all my contacts there. I left um, a couple, you know, a pair of sandals, a pair of cleats, just thinking that there'd be, you know, maybe we'd go home for a week or two weeks and we'd be right back. So once I got back here, I was, you know, I thought about it as almost like a mini vacation or something, and then we're going to come right back and start start back up, which it's, you know, all the guys are kind of, it's like, oh, I guess there can be some good in this. You go see your family and friends again, but at the same time, you're like, all right, this is this is time to roll. So it, it is kind of caught everyone off guard, I, I think. I Talking to my roommate, talking to my buddies, it didn't seem like anyone knew this was coming or prepared for it. Um. Do you have any new hobbies that you're uh, picking up uh, while you've been back home? I know you're a big hunter. Uh, have you been doing that or? No, I haven't. Do, I haven't been doing much hunting. I have gone out and shooting. We, uh, my brother, bought a Texas Star for uh, my bachelor party coming up here, and um, he bought it a little bit early, thankfully. And we've been going out there and shooting that and having some fun with that. But no, no new hobbies. Uh, been working some with uh, my future father-in-law. He has a business and I've uh, been fortunate enough to go out and work with him. And his work is we're measuring the flow of water and um, for powerhouses and all kinds of stuff like that and canals. And it's pretty fun because we get to go on hikes and we're out in the forest. And so I, I guess in a way it's, I still get to go do fun things, but it's to a different extent. Do you have a uh, favorite place that you've been hunting? Uh, Colorado, um, little small town. It's right next to the Four Corners. Um, uh, I think it's Cortez, and I can't remember the other little town. But that was my favorite favorite place to hunt because I went elk hunting out there, and for the that was the first time I ever shot an elk. So I mean, that will always be a spot of mine that I want to go back to. So you're born in in Placerville, California. When was the first time you picked up a bat and started swinging or pitched up, you know, started picking up a ball and throwing it around the yard, man? Uh, it was actually real early. It was probably when I was, I would say, two or three. 
my brother, um, he's 31 right now. So he's four years older than me and, or five years older than me. That's scary. Um, can't even remember my own age, but, uh, yeah, he was, he was already playing. So I kind of just started following his footsteps. I always wanted to be better than him because I looked up to him. So it was always that, you know, that little brother competition and, started messing around with him and we were always out in the backyard hitting off the tee playing catch you know doing anything and everything making little games out of it and that was kind of when I fell in love with it and from there on out it was always just how good can I get how how much better can I get than my brother and that that was really what it was all about for me it was like can I beat my brother so and then it just kind of grew from there. Who were you, uh, besides your brother, obviously, who were you looking up to uh, professionally? Uh, what favorite, what were your, who were your favorite teams and who were some of your favorite players growing up? Man, when I was young, it was bouncing around everywhere. I mean, I was a huge uh, Mark McGuire fan. I, le- I liked Barry Bonds. I liked watching his swing. I mean, who didn't wa- like watching him? Uh, loved watching Jeter, um, Benito Santiago at the catcher for the Giants, but Nick Swisher when he was on the A's, Eric Chavez when he was on the A's. I mean, I was just kind of bounced all around. I didn't really have a favorite team, I guess, or favorite player. It was just at that moment what game I was watching, I'd pick a guy, and it was like, oh, that's my guy right there. So, I mean, I wasn't a – it's not like I was a diehard fan for one team or one person. I just kind of went for anybody and everybody. It's got to be tough to pick one team in California when there's just so many there's so many teams right around you guys. That is true. I mean, the only thing good I guess we got is I'm in Northern California, so it's not – I mean, I got the – in a way, the Giants and the A's, and that's about it. So I do get to kind of bounce back and forth for them. And it, I've always kind of gone for them ever since I was younger. It was whoever was in playoff you know, spot or whatever, that's who I really would go after. But once I became a J, that kind of all went out the window. If you think, if you could think all the way back, who was your very first Little League team sponsor? To be honest with you, I don't know. I I have no idea. I think I, I, I think I was on the Tampa Bay. I was on Tampa's. Yeah, I had, the, I had a raised cap on, but I can't remember the sponsor or anything like that. I, man, that's a good question. I'm sorry, but I can't answer it. <laughs> it's all right, man. Because yeah, we, were, we were thinking about, uh, you know, because I, I think I played for the A's and a bunch of other teams. So we're trying to see if what, what, what ball players were playing for what teams or if you can remember the uh, plumbing company or, or wh- whoever the sponsor was at that point in time, man. I mean, I felt like it, there was always a pizza company that I think like a pizza factory. I felt like there's always one of those. There's always there's always construction companies in our town. But I, I don't know. That's a great question that I wish I could answer. I, I want to dig up a picture and see if I can find it now. When did you start focusing on pitching? Have you always been pitching since you were a kid or is, was it something you picked up later in your in your career? Or where, where were you playing when you were a kid? Um, I, I was, a, I loved playing infield. I mean, I, I feel like you talk to every single guy that's played, you know, on a professional level, there were all shortstops at one point. And, um, I loved being shortstop and I loved catching. Um, I started pitching when I was probably around 10 years old and it, it was just because I could throw the ball harder than most kids. And, um, 
it was one of those things. It was not like I didn't ever expect myself to get where I'm at or anything like that. It was just kept kind of I, I always wanted to be middle infield catcher kind of stuff. I stopped being a catcher right when I hit high school. I stayed at shortstop until I was my sophomore year. And then I went to center field and I fell in love with center field. Um, and then my actually my junior year, my sophomore year, I didn't pitch that much. My junior year, I didn't pitch that much. And then my senior year, I pitched. I was pitching twice a week. And that's when it kind of like that's when I really started getting after it pitching wise and then that's when I got the offer to go to Sacramento State and that's kind of when I went that other way but however I did want to be a two-way guy at Sac State and just then it blew out my elbow and I don't think the coach really was gonna you know give me the shot to be a two-way guy but I want to think I had the chance but I mean realistically I probably did not. He wasn't gonna let you go for that right then at that point in time man. <laughs> I, I mean, I wanted to. I wanted to do it so bad. But now I look back and go, I, I see some of these pitchers pitching. I have so much respect for them and what they can do. And it's like, I mean, I, I sit there and I I get to throw um, – right now I'm at Results Physical Therapy and I get to watch Logan Webb. He pitched in the bigs with the Giants and he's throwing his bullpens right next to me. And it's, I'll just watch what he does. And it's like I shake my head. I'm like, yeah, I got no chance up there. But, hey, that's why I'm back on the mound <laughs> So you went to, you're talking about high school, you went to El Dorado High School in Placerville, uh, your career pitching line there, man, 15 and three with a 1.37 ERA, 12 complete games, 200 strikeouts, uh, opponent batting average, a buck 91. Not only did you pitch and play baseball, your, but your junior year, we actually found a few football stats. You played some football, you were uh, your QB and a punter. Did you consider yourself a good punter, uh, 45 yarder your junior year? How, how did you fall into that one? Uh, believe it or not, I mean, all those stats I had no clue about. So that's kind of fun. That's kind of fun that you bring those up. Um, punting, I, I could always kick the ball pretty well. And one day, and believe it or not, in football, I wanted to be a wide receiver. Um, they didn't, they saw me throw the football and they're like, no, you're, you're going back behind the line, you're going to be our QB. So I was like, all right. So I went back there and then I fell in love with running the ball and I want to be a running back. And it, you know, it's one of those things that football, I, I only started playing when it was my freshman year. I played flag football through middle school. Um, and so it was just kind of one of those things that I didn't get to really do what I want to do. And then when it was, I, I enjoyed being a quarterback, but it's like, I didn't have the, the brains to be back there because I was new to the, to the game. Um, so then I'd mess around and I'd start kicking the, you know, it was it, small high school. They're like, all right, who can, who can punt the football? I'm like, well, I can do it. So I go out and I kick it. I'm like, oh, that was pretty good. So they mess with me a little bit. And next thing I know, I'm the punter. I'm like, all right, this is pretty cool. So, I mean, it, it's not like I went to a big high school. It's a small, small town, small high school. So a lot of guys are put in situations that they probably wouldn't be put into if you went to, you know, probably some bigger schools like you guys went to or, um, the bigger Division One high schools, or all that kind of stuff. And then your your senior year, you went nine and one. You had a .95 ERA and 126 strikeouts. And then you also hit nine home runs and had a .516 batting average. Uh, you talked about it a little bit, uh, but do you think you could even be a two-way player? Do you think you could still be a two-way player today if you uh, got to pick up the bat? 
Oh man, that's a tough question. It's just, I mean, one, it's one of those things that I've been away from, you know, swinging the bat for so long. Uh, you know, I, I go back in high school, it, those are, everyone likes to say they're the good old days and stuff, just, you know, hitting bombs and striking kids out and all that. But I mean, today it's just crazy how hard guys throw the movement they have. And I look at it and I, you know, deep down, I, I want to say, yeah, I would have the ability to be a two-way player, but I mean, there's some amazing baseball players out there that I, I've been asked that many times from a lot of people in my town. And, and usually I just go, you know what? I don't know. I, I know I'd struggle. That's for sure. There's, I mean, look at, look at the guys we have in our organization that, you know, go through ups and downs, up and down. So um, to your question, I, I really don't, I don't think I could be a two-way guy at this mm -hmm. point in my career. You never nudge uh, Cy for even like a uh, just a BP. Oh, every pitcher does. We all want to swing it. We all when we get together, we all say we can do it. But I mean, it's different when you stand in that box and you're watching '95 painted and sink and cut and all that. I, it's a completely different story. But yeah, as a pitcher, I want to go take BP all the time. Is Justin Dillon the pitcher striking out Justin Dillon the hitter? Yes, for sure. <laughs> Justin Dillon strikes out Justin Dillon. <laughs> so you were drafted by the Colorado Rockies out of high school. Um, you opted out. Was was this a really tough decision for for a high schooler to make, or what was what was going through your mind at this point in time? Yeah, it was a tough decision because um, so when that happened. I was told back in 2012, I was told I could go anywhere from round four to eight. Um, I ended up going in the 39th round. Uh, so the money didn't work out. Nothing was working out. And so at that being immature and not understanding how the draft works, I mean, I took that to heart. So when the first two days passed of the draft and I didn't go, I didn't watch the third day I, or I didn't listen to the third day. I went out and I messed around. And I worked on the property. So I didn't even know I got drafted until my Sac State coach called me and he's like, Hey, congratulations. You just got drafted. Yeah. And I told him, I was like, no, no, I didn't. I didn't get drafted. And he goes, yeah, you just got taken in the 39th round. And I was like, Oh, Oh, I get, thank you. So I was almost a little bitter in a way, which sounds like very selfish and, you know, kind of weird because it was because I, I thought I was going in that four to eight round, like, you know, how we, you know, you start talking and all that. And so as time went by, when that didn't work out, I ended up, shoot, it was only about a few months later, I blew out my elbow at Sac State in our last inter-squad game. I went through rehab for about four months, MRIs, everything said I was clean until we had a blind surgery. So then when I went through that surgery in February of 2013, that's when it was kind of, I went back to that, oh, should I should have actually entered in the, or should I have taken the offer? Should I have, what did I, did I do it wrong? You know, and that's when my mind started kind of spinning. And then I'm a very uh, faithful man. And it's like, I, I kind of put my faith back in God. And I was like, you know what, if this is where I'm supposed to be, I'm gonna take this course, I'm gonna go with it. And then, you know, I went through Sac State and I wouldn't have changed how it would, you know, how it played out for anything. So I enjoyed it. But yeah, at that time, it was, it was a mental struggle and it was definitely tough to go through for me.
did the Blue Jays have any interest uh, when you were coming out of high school that you saw, or did that happen more once you got into college? To be honest with you, I never even heard from the Blue Jays from high school to college. I never talked to the Blue Jays. I never got a, you know, we get those big questionnaire sheets that you you get to fill out, and um, I never got anything from them. And it was kind of strange. So it's the last team I ever expected to get signed by was a team I got signed by. Um, and it, it, it was honestly one of those – I remember draft day getting a phone call from my head coach because I didn't have an agent. I was a fifth-year senior, and I was like, you know what, I don't, I don't have anybody, whatever. It's, it's going to be what it's going to be. And I got a phone call from him, and he's like, hey, the Blue Jays are thinking about taking the top ten rounds. Would you sign? I'm like, what? Blue Jays? Sure, yeah, I'm signing. And that it was just kind of one of those things I'll never forget. I was driving my truck when he called, and I, and it was just like I was actually headed down to Sacramento, um, where my old base the ba- we call it the baseball house, but where all the Sac State baseball players live. And it was just it blew me away that a team that never has talked to me ended up drafting me. We have a few few guys in the organization that are from California did you know or play with any of those guys uh prior to uh playing for the Blue Jays I played against Riley Adams and I actually believe the first time we talked about it too I believe he took me he took me yard down left field line and so I walked up to him it was was the day we all returned to mini camp and I I walk up to him like wait a minute where did you go? And he tells me, I was like, I'm, you remember, you remember me? I went to Sac State. And he goes, yeah. And we both kind of smiled. He's like, I think I took you deep. I was like, you did. So it was one of those things. And I love throwing to him. I, I mean, I love his approach at the plate. Uh, it's a guy I've learned a lot from, uh, but Riley was one of them. And then uh, I know I played with a bunch of guys that played with Brock Lundquist um so I mean it's kind of funny when I run into people that I used to play with or played against that I know really well and they're like hey do you know this guy and I'm like yeah that's one of my buddies I play with so it it is kind of cool that but Riley was like the only guy I really remember playing against is it nice having we have such good catching prospects is it nice being able to go through the system with guys like Riley Adams through each each level oh it's it's phenomenal I mean I could it's when you have a great catcher behind the dish it it makes your job so much easier I mean when you're frustrated they know exactly what to do when when you're missing you know arm side they know what how to help you out It, it makes a pitcher's life easier and then on top of that they're better at receiving they're better at you know shutting down the running game and that's a lot of things that you know fans and individuals don't usually think about but a pitcher almost always has that in the back of their, their head thinking, okay, I mean, how quick do I have to be at this pitch? What pitch am I going to be throwing this? You know, what, what am I setting this guy up for? And when you have a catcher that is like, for instance, like Riley Adams, he's already right there with you or a step ahead, you know, and, and it's a, he's an, he's a fantastic catcher, fantastic guy, great clubhouse dude. Um, I, I mean, great individual all around. So you went to Sac State, and uh, you're actually your, I believe, your freshman year, your redshirt freshman year. You almost threw a no hitter. I think you went eight innings, no hit, and then you finally got that no hitter uh, in your senior year. 
how nice was it to finally complete that uh, novator uh, a few years later? You know, what's funny is I apparently I've, I mean, I think there was another time in between there I got pretty close. And it was just one of those things that I felt like every time I'd get close, something would happen. It, it, sometimes, but don't get me wrong, there's times in the game that my teammates would absolutely save me. You know, a line shot somewhere and they'd dive and catch it. And, but every time I got close, it was like something was about to happen. So I never focused on it. It was one of those things I never focused on it at all. Um, when, I, when it happened my senior year, believe it or not, I didn't know I got it because it was the ninth inning, two outs. There was a ground ball to first base that had kind of a funny – it was capped, had that funny spin. It was bounced back and forth. My first baseman bobbled it a little bit, and I got over there to cover the bag, and we didn't get him. So in my head, I'm, I'm like, okay, I got to get this game over with. I've, I already got my pitch count up. I didn't even look at the scoreboard. I didn't look if it was a hit, air. I was like, you know what, I'm getting back up there and I'm going. So when I went back up to the mound, it was just like attack mode again because I could hear the bullpen warming up. And, you know, it's like usually I don't hear anything, but when I'm walking back to the mound is when, like, I can start to hear a little bit going on and I could hear the pop of the glove. So I'm like, I, I got to get this guy or I'm coming out of the game. And then I got him. And next thing I know, everyone just went nuts. And I was like, oh, I guess I did it. So it was one of those things I had no idea. And it's kind of a special moment. Uh, there, I went back and I threw out a first pitch this, this off season. And they still have a banner up about it and stuff like that. So it, it was definitely a special moment. But, um, I mean, it's still something that I can't believe happened. Was everybody, like, kind of uh... – quiet in the dugout did anybody you know the superstition kind of creep in the dugout was everybody was everybody quiet not talking to Justin for for a while in that game I mean most of, uh, I mean all the guys that know me know I'm not a superstitious guy I just kind of I mean it's like for instance uh, stepping on the chalk line if my stride matches up with the chalk line I'm stepping on the chalk line if it doesn't match up I'm not stepping on the chalk line so it's one of those things I'm not superstitious um, so some of the guys acted completely normal to me, you know, my catcher would come up to me, talk to me a little bit, same with the coach. Um, other guys, you could tell they're like more standoffish. Oh my gosh, is this going on? Uh, funny thing about it is, um, in my freshman year, Nathan Lucas, he's in AAA with Tampa. He actually, uh, was, I think with Reese Hoskins, which is with the Phillies, they were both on my team and I, that was when I was in the eighth inning or so. And Nathan goes, looks at the scoreboard and goes, Oh my gosh, Justin's got no hitter going on. So Reese goes over and slaps him and goes, dude, you're going to ruin it. Next inning I went out next batter gave up the hit. So it's kind of been one of those, like, you know, it was a running joke and all that. And Nate came up to me and apologized. And I'm like, dude, you know, I don't care. Like that's not what I gave it up. But so it's kind of funny that you asked that kind of stuff. You, you became like a local celebrity after you threw that uh, no-hitter. You were uh, on a bunch of news stations. Uh, I mean, I guess that happens when you're from a small little town or something like that, right? <laughs> we saw that anchor. Uh, we were watching a Good Morning Sacramento. We, we saw the anchor wanted you to throw him a, a nice high fastball. And you were like, oh, I'm just going to lob it into you. <laughs> I mean – 
Sometimes, <laughs> you know how pitchers are when you lob balls? They just lose them and they go all over the place. So I didn't want to – not warming up. I'm just like, here you go. I don't know where this thing's going to go yet. <laughs> and, Early and in the morning. And where is the ball? Uh, is the ball still up on the mantle at home? Or uh, is, it, is it at the parents' house? Where, where's the ball at? It, it's at my parents' house in a little case. Um, yeah, it's actually – it's next to – I have a signature from Roger Clemens – um a sign ball from him uh Casey Clemens actually it was my first year of pro ball he, Roger came out and um signed a bunch of balls for us all so it's next to that one I think I have a ball from Buster Posey and a couple other it's next to those obviously it's not to that worth at even close but it's it's next to all those you know big time baseballs and it's priceless to you as well. So. I, yeah, I, I could say, I guess you could say that. So 2017 was a big year for you. Not only did you pitch the no-no, uh, you guys ended up going and uh, going on to win the uh, WAC tournament championship. You were the MVP of the tournament going two and oh, you gave up one run on six hits with 12 K's and 12 innings. How much did that mean to you after you know, all, all you've been through in your early college career to, to win the conference title and, uh, and be the MVP uh, of your college squad that year. How, what, what was, that's gotta, that's gotta feel great. Um, I mean, it's one of the, it's some of those things that when you talk about it, it's like, I, I completely forgot all about it. Um, so when you talk to me about it, it brings me chills um, just thinking about it and kind of puts me back in that spot. It, it was awesome because uh, the year before that is when I hurt my hip. I strained my iliopsoas, and I thought my career was possibly over. Um, I just – no one knew what went on, and uh, I just – every time I would go down a mound on it, it would, re, it would pull again. And it was, it, so the iliopsoas is kind of in the hip, hip flexor area, runs up in your stomach. So it just would keep re-pulling. So I'd be completely fine throwing on a flat ground, but the second I hit a mound, it would pull, pull, pull. So, um, going back, it's like, I didn't get healthy until like January, right before our season. So I had like a month to get myself in shape and that's when I just hit off and I was just, I was going and it's really incredible to look back at it and just see how my coaches dealt with me, how they just kept me, you know, pushing forward. And when, when I'm at my best, I'm not thinking much on the mound. I, because I am a thinker I overthink sometimes mechanics and all that and when I start to think it, it hinders me and at that point it's like I, I was off the mound for a full year I, I couldn't think I just had to go out and pitch and do what I remember doing and that's kind of what I went about doing and I started off so well and then I hit this like this knoll in the middle where I just everything was rough and I wasn't pitching well and then right when the WAC tournament came on the conference tournament, I just took off again. And it was all the thinking went out the window. And it's like, I knew this was the end. Like either I get drafted or I end my career right now as, you know, in at Sac State. And I just remember going, it's going to be in God's hands. And here I go, I'm just going to give it everything I had and everything just took off again. So um, being, that was the second regional Sac State ever went to at the time. And I got to be a part of the first one and the second one. And it was so, it was just something that was amazing. The head coach deserved it. Uh, that whole team deserved it. And it was really a, I mean, just a memory that I'll never forget. It's just amazing to think about. 
kind of a funny story. Our uh, our first bullpen catcher of the 2019 Dunedin Blue Jays played with you at Sacramento State. Uh, how did did you have any part in that, or is that just kind of a coincidence? Or that that was a coincidence. Um, he coached, I believe, at Menlo College with one of uh, the Blue Jays um, videographers or the analytics. I'm, I'm not quite sure who he is. Um, and I guess he got it in through him. And then next thing I know, I hear a rumor that there's this catcher named Dane Fujinaka coming in. And I'm like, wait a minute. I was like, what does he look like? <laughs> and where is he from? And so I started asking these questions. And, th and then I see him about I see him about a week later and I just couldn't believe it and it was it was so nice to see him again and because I mean he, he once his college career was over he started coaching and I didn't I didn't see him for a few years so it was really cool it was kind of a special moment to have two Sac State boys back together you know on the on the Dunedin Blue Jays He's uh he's coaching he's managing the uh, Dominican Summer League team now so he's and he, he's gonna do a great he's gonna do a great job out there. So did overcoming these injuries in college help strengthen your mindset uh, when you made it to the pros? Absolutely, I would say that um, I, I'm a stubborn individual, so I feel like all athletes you once you get to this level we all are kind of stubborn and and we have to be hard headed and driven and. Um, those injuries, I mean, to say that I didn't have uncertainty and I still like, you know, I go through little hiccups with, I had my knee were just strained, uh, or had a little frame of the patella, something, all these minor little things. But when you, when you have to sit out and you're watching everyone else compete, it's a, it, it's very frustrating and hard. Um, it, but looking back and seeing how every single time I have had an injury, I usually come back almost stronger because it like amps me up and mentally I know it's like, it's crunch time. I need to get going. Um, so I would say, yes, having all those injuries in college and having to push through there one, I got to learn so much about my body, but two, I, I just, I felt like it really helped me compete because I had to sit out and try to learn how to compete to a higher, higher standard and, and a higher level once I got back. So, yeah. And you touched on it a little bit earlier, though, uh, about, about your, the, the draft process and kind of uh, when you got the call from, from the Blue Jays. But uh, what were, as soon as you picked up that phone and then you hung it up, what were your emotions going through your body at that point in time? Then? I was driving, and I, it was just one of those things. I remember a scout called and I mean I thought my heart was going to beat on my chest it was one of those moments where it's like because like I said earlier I I was uncertain I didn't know if I was gonna get drafted I didn't know what was going to happen because fifth year senior I mean I've I had an injury I had two injuries in college I'm sitting there going okay what's well, going to happen and when he when the scout called it was just like you got to be kidding me is this actually happening and I remember just, I felt light. My body felt like jittery and just light and tingling. And I, I, I called him and I, or he called me. I missed, I believe I missed the call and I called him back. Um, and that's when we talked and 
I just couldn't stop smiling. I ended up calling my parents right away, telling them, like, look. And they're like, get off the phone just in case he calls back. So, I mean, it was one of those things. It's like everything started moving so fast because it's like you're so anxious. You're so happy and you don't know what's going on. And I can remember he asked me, he's like, so are you ready to fly out in a week? And I was like, yeah. He goes, are you ready to fly out tomorrow? I go, uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't have any of my stuff ready or anything, but he's like, are you ready? And he was just seeing what I'd say. And I was like, yeah, I, I just got to get home to pack. And he's like, okay, good. And then he called me back and he's like, okay, you're drafted in the 10th round. And so it's like, I wasn't watching it or anything like that or listening to it. I was just in my truck driving. So it, it was this very special moment for me. And um, especially after having that bitter, uh, that bitterness when I was out of high school, to be able to, you know, feel that and kind of go through what I always expected it would be like. From the outside looking in, you were one of the hardest workers on the team last year. Where do you think you get that uh, work ethic from? Oh, man. Well, one, thank you for the compliment. Um, I really appreciate that. Uh, I would say it has to be from my family. My dad and my mother, they started their own business together. Um, my both of them didn't have a college degree or anything like that and they built a very successful machine shop that ended up putting stuff out for like aerospace nasa the military and watching how many hours my countless hours my dad would put in and how he would get up at two in the morning to go start the business and um, run run machines that needed to be running to get parts out and stuff like that and he never once him or my mom ever missed one of our, um, our games or anything, any event or game, um, seeing that. And he always had him and her, they both always had that extra push in my life to get me going. And I would have to say it was due to them always being there and kind of nudging me like, Hey, like, let's go. Someone's fighting. Someone's fighting for your spot. And that's kind of what kept me, you know, driving. 19 straight innings and in Dunedin. You didn't give up a run. Uh, do you remember what was uh, going so well during that streak? Yeah, I stopped thinking. I just started pitching again. Um, uh, yeah, that was it. That, it was another one that was pretty rough for me because if you look at my stats before that, it wasn't that great. It was I would have a good one here, and then I'd have a couple bad ones. And, and my bad ones were always, you know, I, I'd go – pretty good innings and then I give up a two run home run and it would just you know there goes my ERA there goes everything there goes the chance for my team to win um and, and it just felt like every time I went out there I would miss you know a couple pitches and there would be four runs on the board because I gave up a couple home runs so it was finally getting into get this baseball where you want to stay out of the middle and it just felt like it started to click and once I had that those those 19 innings it just I almost relaxed. I just was like, okay, like this is me again. Like I'm back. And I just felt more comfortable. I started putting more trust in my catchers. I stopped thinking and overthinking so much and it just became smooth again. And that's when I felt like it kind of took back off. I think you and Nick Allgaier are the most qualified to answer this question. Cause I'm pretty sure you were the only two pitchers that pitched at Jack Russell stadium. Uh, how, how tough or easy was it? to pitch at Jack Russell? Well, let me tell you, my first game I pitched at Jack Russell, I thought it was the best field ever. 
because it was, I think, the sixth inning or I don't, you know, don't look at the facts about this one because I don't know what inning it was. Um, I gave up. I was just about to come out of the game. It was my last inning, and I gave up. I probably should have been the farthest ball hit off me that whole year. And Jack Russell, the wind was blowing in, and it just killed it. And it ended up like 30 feet in front of the fence. I'm like, man, this is the best park ever. You can throw it down the middle. There's no home runs. Well, shortly after that, my next start, I gave up three, I believe. And they were all just like bouncing off the top of the wall. And and the wind was blowing, howling straight out. And that's when I was like, okay, this this is not good for me. Because I'm not, I'm not 50-50 guy. 50 ball, 50% is on the ground, 50 up in the air. Um, and... I remember going, I just felt like every ball that went up in the air was gone and I couldn't stand it. And then I remember giving up a couple balls, um, balls hit off home plate and then end up in the outfield over third base or over second base. I'm like, this is the worst field ever to pitch at. So I went from thinking it was the best field one game to after that thinking it was the worst, but at the end of the day, you know, the other pitcher has to pitch there too. So it just comes down to how you were doing, where you were missing. And, I mean, I was struggling at that time in the beginning because then when I hit that hot streak, Jack Russell was great to me. So it was just kind of – it was just me, you know, not pitching to my full ability. Uh, but overall, Jack Russell was mentally a grind just because your home field still feels like it's on the road. And even for you staff, I, that was a grind for you guys. I watched you guys sit up in that press box that looked like it was, you know, a sardine can. And you guys had swamp coolers trying to cool you down. Or I don't even know if you had AC. So, I mean, it was just a bigger grind for you guys as it was. Uh, so, and, and it seems like you can't get away from uh, Jack Russell. I, we know that there's a place in Placerville called Jack Russell Brewery. You ever, you ever head over to the Jack Russell Brewery? <laughs> you know what? I actually have been, and they have incredible fries. There's these boat fries that come in, and you can get – I mean, it's like uh, they have Red Hot and Ranch on them. They, have, they just do garlic fries, cheese fries, any type of fry you can think about. Absolutely incredible. Sadly – Jack Russell went out of business. So, I mean, I don't know if that's just Jack Russell went out of business. The Blue Jays are pulling from Jack Russell away. I don't know if we got a theme here. But sadly, yeah, Jack Russell went out of business. I'm going to miss their fries, though. That's very sad. Maybe this, uh, maybe this interview will spark up uh, a Jack Russell return so we can get those boat fries back out to you guys over there in, in place. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Real quick, how um... – how much more impressive are the accomplishments of the 2019 Denny Blue Jays from the situation that we were in throughout that season? It's honestly, it's absolutely incredible to watch and, and to have been a part of that team. That team was just, I mean, you know, it's like you always hear the word grinders. The baseball players are always like, oh, that guy's a grinder. That guy's grinding. The, that group of guys, they're, they're special. That's a special group. I mean, I'm so glad for you guys that you get to hang out with them on a regular basis as well because that's a special group in the, in the way that they go about their business. All of them, you didn't really have to hold anyone accountable. I know you guys watched it. Like, no one really had to hold anyone accountable. Everyone got their work in. Everyone busted their butt. They're in the weight room. Cy 
amazing pitching coach, Matty Young, Cesar, I mean, everybody, I mean, from the staff down, just did their job. And to have to bust a Jack Russell, always feel like you're playing on the road to pull off. I Weren't they in first place at the end? Or in, and to do all that where when that field even had a drop of water on it, it was a rain out or it was delayed. I mean, that field couldn't hold any water. And those boys would go to the field countless, you know, day after day, you play a couple innings or not even play and just sit there. But they woke up and each day gave everything they had. They, they busted their butt. They stayed sharp, which is, is not to do it. I mean, you can talk to any baseball player. When you take quite a few days off and it's like you play one day and then you play three days later, that's not easy. And they did, they all did an amazing job. And I, I actually, even when I was with New Hampshire, I was keeping up with all their stats, watching their games, because it was just that team's special and it's a great group of guys. I think that was the most camaraderie in my entire minor league baseball career. I think that was the most uh, camaraderie I've ever seen in a clubhouse before. It seemed like everybody was getting along. Like it was, that was the true family. And I think everybody in that clubhouse, you know, like you said, they grinded every day. Um, You know, it it seemed like, you know, when we were, you know, we've watched all 60 some games of Jack Russell and it was like, this team's never out of the game. This team's never out of the game. And when a solid pitching performance happens, we know the bullpen is going to come in and shut it down. Or if we need a run or two, somebody's going to, somebody's going to bloop one. And then there's, there's Noda coming up with a blast or there's Xavi hitting a double. There's Kirky hitting a double. So it was just a very, very special season. Yeah. Not only, you know, you guys, but for us to watch. Well, and like, like I said, it, it, I mean, the staff, the media, every single person like played a part of that team and and made it fun. I mean, it, it was one of those things that it, it never felt like work. Even when it, even when we were at our low, which, I mean, there wasn't tons of lows on that team. But even when we weren't doing well, it didn't – it wasn't like it was hard to be there. You know, it wasn't like, oh, my goodness, like what are we going to do? Or there was – I don't think we ever saw that the whole year. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, there's not one time I walked in the clubhouse and was like, yeah, we're, we're going to struggle today. Not once did I see that or feel it. So, yeah, that team was – I mean, they're a great group of guys. And you brought up Cy a little bit. Uh, how big of a help is uh, pitching coach Jim Sikowski to our pitchers and to you specifically? Um, he's awesome. That He will go the extra mile for any of his players, especially his pitchers. And I couldn't, re- I couldn't believe it. Um, I was sitting with him – on a bus ride I can't I think it might be coming back from Daytona and he looked at me and he goes what kind of pitcher are you he goes I asked you this in Vancouver a few years back what kind of pitcher are you so I told him I'm like this is who I am I'm, I'm not a guy that's gonna blow you away I'm gonna spot up the baseball and I'm gonna move it I am gonna make you start guessing and he goes exactly so he goes in you know so if your slider's not working you know, what are you going to go to? So, you know, we start bouncing back and forth. And I can't believe that I remember, or he remembered what I told him in 2017 when I pitched with him or pitched for him with the Canadians. And he goes, do you remember you told me that you liked going to your curveball first and then you would go back to your slider later in the game? You know, because I'd start flipping the curveball in, flipping it, flipping it, and then I'd, you know, try to O2 bury it. And then I'd start – 
bringing in the slider as the game got, you know, went on in the third, fourth inning. And then I'd show him another look of a different pitch. And I was like, how do you remember that? And he goes, trust me, I remember most things that my pitchers tell me. And I, and to this day, I couldn't believe that just a little conversation we had in 2017 in 2019, he's literally replaying that in my ear. And it was just small talk. And that's the type of pitching coach he is. An amazing individual, amazing man. I mean, in every way, amazing pitching coach. Um, he's also probably one of the biggest reasons I had that 19 innings, no runs. He, I was drifting out of my back half a little bit too much or too fast. And I couldn't get my arm back out in front. So what was happening is my arm would cast on me. And hitters were starting to see the ball back here rather than seeing it, you know, out in front where it's exploding on my hand. Well, that's why I was starting to give up those home runs because they're seeing the ball a little bit longer. And when he got me kind of sitting back on my back, my back leg a little bit more, it's like the game got a little bit easier for me. So, I mean, I hope that explains how valuable he is as a pitching coach from just myself and what he's done for me. And he's done the same for, all those other guys. I know he with Nick Allgaier, Larkins, um, Logue, we didn't have him last year, but he, he did the same thing with Logue in 2017. So, I mean, he's had a huge impact in just so many different players. And I, I mean, every, I've talked to every guy pretty much and they love him and they love what he's done for him. We've had some great pitching coaches over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Mark Riggins uh, really, really helped stuff together in, in 2018. And then uh, 2019, you know, Cy coming, is coming around, uh, you know, and he's been all over the organization. And we'll, we'll come back to 2018 here, uh, speaking of Mark Riggins. What made you so dominant in AAA uh, during, during the uh, 2018 season when you got called up uh, there a little bit late to make some starts? Um, so going on to Riggy real quick, I remember I was having a problem. I was real dominant out of the windup. Once I got in the stretch, I would start to struggle. So Riggy, I'll never forget, he looks at me, he goes, play catch off the mound. And I like lift my leg and goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to play catch. He goes, no, you're trying to pitch, play catch. So he goes, just step and throw. So I stepped and throw. And he's like, good. Now do that with your changeup. And I did it and it just went wham. I was like, whoa. He goes, now throw a slider like that. And I did it and the slider bit real hard. I was like, what have I been doing my whole life trying to slide step home? Like this is the easiest thing ever. And, and it actually, I completely changed my, my pitching style. I, I stopped throwing from the windup from there on out. Like just because of that, that, that one conversation, because everything got so easy because he simplified everything for me. I didn't have to think anymore. It was just like, just step and throw and play catch. Um, and that's when I put a couple good outings together in Dunedin. And then that's when I got the call up to AAA. And I remember I was on, we were at a, the Pirates, Bradenton. And I got called in the office. You know, it's like I'm still – this. that was my first full season of Pro Bowl, and I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm going to the office for. This is either really good or really bad. So I walk in there, and they're like, hey, congratulations. You're going to be headed up to AAA. And Riggy's there just with a big old smile. He's like, you deserve it. You're pitching great, and I want it. I put your name out there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I go, what what's happening? <laughs> they're like, you're going to AAA. I was like, all right, like, great. So, I mean, I get home, and I'm – talking to Nash and I and because that's he's one of my best buds and he was my roommate at the time and I get back with Nash and I look down and I'm like dude I'm going to triple a like what 
what did I do to deserve this? And I, so I pack up and I'm sitting in bed. I'm like, I can't sleep. I'm thinking about what's going on. How am I, you know, getting there? This is, this is crazy. Cause all you ever hear is like how good the guys are ahead of you, you know? So I'm sitting there I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I get a couple hours of sleep, jump on the plane. I get up there. And originally they said, go, go to your hotel, you know, early. Well, I get in at 12 o'clock. They're like, you might as well just come to the field. So I get in the field on a couple hours of rest. And I remember Steamer, the pitching coach goes, Hey, you're in today. And my heart just starts going boom, 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 like out of my chest. I'm like, Oh no. So they're going through the, uh, through the lineup. And I mean, I couldn't even pay attention. I'm just, I'm so nervous at the, at that point that they're just saying guys and I'm like ah, I'm not even paying attention I, I can't figure this out right now like okay so I talked to the catcher uh was, I think it was Danny Jansen caught me the first time and I talked to him I'm like this is what I throw you just help me out and you know I'll I can pretty much throw anything in any count and he's like okay he goes we'll see we'll get going and see what's working I was like all right so we got going and man I went in there's a guy on second one out I jog into the game not one nerve I wasn't nervous I was just it was like I was ready to go and it was so weird because before the game I'm over there thinking my heart's about to beat on my chest the second I get the ball on the mound everything just disappeared and it was just it was just back in the back going back pitching and I got out of it. I struck those two guys out, and I came back out, struck the side out again, and then I got out of the ninth inning and got the save. And I was just like, man, that was pretty awesome. And shortly after, I think a few days after, I got sent back down. And it, but it was just one of those experiences that I was like, it, it was so weird because I've never been that nervous, but then felt so calm once I had the opportunity to perform. So it was it was a special day for me. And and the roommate Nash Knight, I'll tell you what, one of the best guys in the organization. He could play any position. I think uh, one of my one of his last games in Dunedin, he played every single position uh, in one of the last games. And he went from uh, I think uh, William Willett played a little bit of left field, and uh, Nash Knight came in. But Nash Knight went all the way around, put the catcher's gear on, mm -hmm. pitched a couple batters. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a guy who. Uh, Wherever you, wherever you need him, uh, he's there for sure. One of, one of the best guys in our organization. Amazing individual. Can do it all. Justin, we want to thank you so much for, uh, for taking some time out. Uh, you know, we just know that you were, you were out, out working all day. So we just want to say thank you for taking some time oh. down with us and, and talk a little baseball. And uh, do, is there anything you'd like to say to, uh, to our, our fans out there uh, from, from Justin Dillon? Well, I just appreciate all the time and effort you guys put into us. And thank you for letting us do our jobs and enjoy it. And I hope to see you guys all soon. So thank you, you gentlemen, for having me. Thank you. Justin. Hey, everybody. Thank you for so much for tuning in to Jay's Talking. Be sure to check out Band Against Hunger with Dunedin Cares and make sure that you donate if you can. And we'll see you next week for more Jay's Talking.